Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, Bab. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm very well, Ben. How are you? I'm good. And if you don't know by now, my name is Ben. And my name is Benja. And why are we doing this podcast? To avoid going for a walk or do exercise. <laughs> well, I think there's a little bit more to that. Yes, but... we're also trying to avoid cleaning the house. <laughs> yeah, that too. The house is a tip. It's an absolute tip. But then again, we don't feel like cleaning, do we? You know, it's a little bit middle class problem, really, because we are getting the bathroom done at the moment. Yeah, it's hashtag first word problems. So that's why it's an absolute tip. And it's not finished yet. So I refuse to clean until it has been finished. Yeah, let's be honest. The fact that it's a tip, it's not because we're having the bathroom done. It's because once we're having the bathroom done, we've decided to abandon every notion of cleanliness and tidiness. But it will be nice when it's finished. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll need to clean the whole house. Um, I do really like what he's done with those tiles. Yeah, it's really nice. You know how nice it is when uh, you see something and it is exactly what you had in your mind? That's a really rare thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also even better when somebody else does it and you don't have to. Oh, exactly. And you can slob about in the sofa whilst they're doing it. Absolutely. But we're not here to talk about our bathroom shenanigans. We are here to talk about the differences between my culture, British... And my culture, Argentinian. And determine once and for all which one is the best. Which we already know. British. Argentinian. And today, I'm so excited! We are talking about British food! I mean, we're fat for a reason. We do like food. What? Didn't you know that we were fat? Maybe we should go for that exercise. Mm, Maybe we should try food first? We'll talk about British food first. You've lived here now for four years. Six and a half. Oh, has it really been that long? Well, you know me so well, don't you? Actually, I suppose we've been together three years and you were... Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awkward. I mean, (laughs) it's not like you ever forget my birthday. Okay, let's start that bit again. You've been here for six and a half years. Oh, that's so nice you remembered. Before you moved to the UK... What were you most excited about um, having as part of your daily diet from a British store cupboard? What a good question, actually. The thing is, when you hear about all of uh, all of things Britain, you don't really talk about food, do you? You know fish and chips. You know about fish and chips. So I was definitely keen to try fish and chips. That was pretty much it, really. A, a lot of it has been discovery whilst I was already here. So now you're here, you've immersed yourself in British culture What are some of the weirdest things that you've tried since you've lived here? I don't know if the weirdest, but there are things that are very, very British. But at the same time, you can think, why the hell didn't the rest of the world think about this? It's like um, chips with salt and vinegar. And again, nowhere else in the world world puts vinegar in their chips. But you don't like vinegar. I don't like vinegar. And funny <laughs> so what enough, are you talking about? Yeah, but funny enough, also, I don't particularly like chips with salt and vinegar, but I love crisps with salt and vinegar. Oh, the dichotomy of Benja once again. 
I don't know why. But probably for me, the best of the best, the thing that is, uh, I kind of kick every other culture in the bum just not thinking about that is a scotch egg. I love a scotch egg. If people are listening to this and they're not from the UK or familiar with the concept of a scotch egg. Oh, let me tell you what a scotch egg is. Well, basically, it's a very soft boiled egg that you wrap in sausage meat and then you bread and fry. It's like, why the rest of the world has not thought about this? Now, given a caveat, because I've eaten like supermarket scotch eggs and so on, it's not a scotch egg to me, unless the yolk is runny. Okay. All of these places that you have a very solid, um, a very solid yellow yolk, no. The yolk, once you finish cooking, it still needs to be runny. Oh, it's amazing. And again, I cannot describe just how good that is. And of course, you know I'm partial to a good meaty sausage roll. Absolutely. And you know that I've started uh, making my own sausage rolls, putting a little bit of a spin uh, uh, into them, of course. But it's still sort of the the same idea of the meat rubbing pastry. The revelation for me was your chicken and bacon sausage roll. That was incredible. Oh, really? That was? I thought it would have been the ricotta cheese from, uh, and sausage meat one. Like that one as well. And you did one with black pudding as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, the sausage and black pudding one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've been experimenting with sausage rolls a lot. The thing is, in six and a half years living here, I've tried a whole plethora of uh, British dish, including Ben's very, very famous Sunday roast. Oh, I love making a Sunday roast. He does love making a Sunday roast. And he does make really, really good Sunday roast with proper homemade Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, there's no ambessies in this house. Yeah, there's no frozen stuff here. It's all made from scratch. Thank you. Oh, I'm feeling quite warm about that. Oh, I love you. I love you too. Oh, thank you. Right. Well, because you've been here for quite a number of years now, there are a lot of shall we say, weird, quirky British foods that you've tried. We've already mentioned black pudding, which is essentially pig's blood. Yeah, but we do have black pudding in Argentina as well, so we do eat it. What do you call it in Argentina? Morcilla. Yeah, and it's much creamier in Argentina, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's more... So what I always say about Argentinian black pudding is that it has sort of the same texture as Scottish haggis. And that's another food that you've tried as well. Oh, yeah, I love haggis. Whenever I go to Scotland, I always have haggis. So what I've done today is I've done a little secret survey... I don't know if you've been noticing over the past few weeks, I've been asking you questions like, have you tried this food? Have you tried that food? Have you tried this one? And of course, you've been oblivious to all of this. Yes, I've been absolutely oblivious to a scheming plan. (laughs) No, you have, because I've asked you them and you, I genuinely believe that you're not going to have any idea about what's about to happen. Okay. Because what I've done is I've prepared you a three course tasting menu with drinks pairings. British food? Yeah. Of of British food that I haven't tried before. British food that you have never genuinely tried before. You are going to try them now for the podcast for the first time. And how we're going to do the tasting menu is we're really going to use all of your senses, Benja. Okay. So you're going to be blindfolded initially, which I know is something that you quite like. Um, Maybe. You are going to smell the food and the beverage. Okay. There'll be a starter, a main course, and a dessert. And it's not like a prank thing. You're not going to put, like, awful things just because. 100% genuine British produce. Okay. 
then you'll remove the mask, you will look at the product, you will describe it to the listener and you'll say what you think about it. And then of course, it will be the all important taste test. You will get to taste your starter and your drink, your main course and your drink and your pudding and your drink. And once you've tasted it, we'll talk a little bit more about the foods and the drinks. Okay, so I feel like I'm gonna need this. What's this? Pizza. Why have you got pizza? Well, the thing is, we're fat for a reason. So if there's something that I really, really don't like, or that's something that I feel is too British and I need to go back a little bit to a more international culture, instead of drinking water or something like that, I'll just chug a slice of pizza. So you're basically going to poo over British food with Italian food? Yeah. I mean, I mean that makes no sense whatsoever. But anyway, I, I mean, will... in my head, it makes sense. I would just say you don't do that because that will be quite offensive. I can drink what lemony water to take the taste of my pencils. Just enjoy the experience that you're about to have. Like, I've put a lot of time and effort into this, so I suggest you try everything and enjoy it. Oh, I will. It's just, let's just call it emergency pizza. Okay. I'm still not happy, but we shall move on. So, are you ready to start your tasting menu with drinks pairings? British style I'm a little bit scared. Well, let's go. Let's go. So Ben, you've got your eye mask, I see. I know, I know. I can't sleep without it. I'm that posh. It's, uh, a, oh, British Airways. Oh, I see someone's flying premium economy. I mean, only the best for me, Bab. <laughs> so that's on. Are you ready for your first course, your starter? I'm ready. Right, Bab. So you've got the bowl in front of you. I want you to pick that bowl up and smell the produce and describe what you can smell. Okay, here we go. I love how you're sniffing dramatically. I don't know. It's for the, <laughs> the thing is, people cannot see me, so I need to do the effect, don't I? It smells rotten. Is this something that has been left like outside of the fridge for a long time? No, it was uh, foil fresh this morning, straight out of the tub. Okay. So, well, it kind of smells rotten. Okay. It smells like it's gone off. Do you want to remove your eye mask? Okay. So it's like... You left your breadsticks in the oven for too long. They looked a little bit burned. Okay. Are they supposed to be like this? Yes. This is a very popular British snack. Okay. Can I try one? Yeah. Okay, here we go. You dropped like half of them on the floor. Oh, what is this? It smells rotten and it tastes like fermented. It's like you're having a sourdough starter on itself. If I told you that these were the favourite snack of footballer Ian Wright, former Prime Minister David Cameron and chef Nigella Lawson, does that make many more appealing? You know I love Nigella. I'm not keen of David Cameron. And the first one, I don't know who he is. So no, it still tastes fermented. What is it? Well, you are trying for the very first time Twiglets. What is a Twiglet? Let me have another one just to confirm, because it, it tastes foul, but I, it's like a snack, so I keep binging it. Exactly. They are a wheat-based snack, and their website describes them as having a distinctive knobbly shape, similar to that of twigs, hence Twiglets. Okay. Now, the taste of Twiglets derives from the yeast extract, which is used in its coating, and it's been compared to that of Marmite. 
Now, Marmite, for people who don't know, is a yeast extract product. People tend to put it on toast. They put it in gravies and soups. Yeah, and I mean, like that. taste awful. Yeah, so then, so I wasn't that far off. It did taste fermented, didn't it? It's kind of like that. It's awful. If you've, if you've never tried Marmite, just try it. But just so you can say you hate Marmite. Oh, I love it. Well, that's kind of the thing of it, isn't it? Is that you love it or you hate it. No, but I love it. I have it every day. Yeah, no, I hate it. I, I can't have it. It's just, ugh. Anyway, Twiglets were invented in 1929 by a French biscuit maker named Jay Rondalin. Now, he was a technical manager at Peak Friends Bermondsey factory, and he added brewer's yeast to a leftover batch of Vita Wheat dough. Now, they were first launched onto the consumer market in 1932 by Peak Friends. Today, they're manufactured in Aintree by United Biscuits subsidiary Jacobs. Okay, so it's like a wheat stick with Marmite or something similar. I mean, the thing is, it tastes foul, don't get me wrong. but no, it's they're a, lovely. I'm going to have one. It, it tastes foul, but mm. it, it's a snack. So you kind of, if you have it there, you'll finish the bowl. Mm. It's, it's like you're being a, a food masochist eating this thing. To me, they taste of Christmas because at Christmas, they were traditionally sold in drum-shaped uh, boxes. I, I think tin originally. I've always known them as being in like cardboard boxes and they're often decorated with sort of like seasonal pictures. Oh, they're so good. Mm. No, they're not. Don't wrong. I'll still eat them, but that's because I'm fat, not because they're good. Okay. Shall we move on? Yeah. Drink time. Drink pairing. Drink time. Put your uh, eye mask back on, please. Okay. And I will put the drink in front of you. Be very careful because this drink is hot. Okay, so it's a hot, hot drink. Hot, hot drink. Hot to trot. Okay, let me put my mask on. Have a smell, Ben. Okay, so so is this something that you add to something or is it something that you drink on itself? By it's itself? a drink. So you drink it by itself? Yeah. Doesn't smell like it. I, I don't know. It smells like something that you added to something, but I can't figure out what. Can I see it? Yeah. Okay, so it looks like a dark black tea. Yeah. It doesn't smell like it, though. What do you think it smells like? If you could put an ingredient <sighs> to the smell, what would you suggest? Uh, I don't know. Uh, does it, you know the thing with smells where you, you know the smell, but you can't necessarily pinpoint it to something? Let me have another whiff. The thing is, it's a drink, but it kind of smells like stock. Okay, have a taste. Okay. Be careful, it's hot. Don't want you to burn yourself. Mm. It's stock. I would pour this on, on a roast dinner. Okay, do you want to know what you're drinking? Uh, let me get another sip and see if I can figure it out. You're really enjoying that, aren't you? Yeah, you know what? It's like a it's like a hearty stock soup, not a cream soup, a very liquid soup. How many times have I said the word soup in the last two seconds? Well, you're not drinking soup. You are drinking bovril. Bovril. What's that? It's a thick and salty meat extract paste, similar again to a yeast extract, which is why I've paired it with the Twiglets. See, um, I think about these things. Um, it was developed in the 1870s by John Lawson Johnston. He was a Scotsman living in Canada. Now, it's sold in a bulbous jar, very much like Marmite, uh, and it can also come uh, as cubes and granules. Um, and it's owned and distributed by Unilever UK. It's similar in appearance to Marmite and Vegemite, but it can be made into a drink with hot water, as you've got here, or less commonly with milk. Um, you can also use it for flavourings for soups, broths, stews, or porridge, even, or as a spread. 
on toast, similar to Marmite or Vegemite. See, I can understand when you're saying, well, you put it to taste something, but it, it tastes like stock. So it, it, it tastes like something that you would add to a soup, to a meat or something like that. But drinking on its own, it's, I, I wouldn't have a cup of this instead of a cup of tea. I would have it, for example, as like, a, a you know, instead of having like a, a soup starter, I would have a cup of these, mm. uh, but not in replacement of like a, a tea or a coffee. Okay. Is it drunk as a tea or a coffee here? I mean, it, it's completely iconic as Bovril. Bovril is up there with Marmite as being one of the kind of iconic British brands. The name itself is quite interesting because it comes from the Latin for ox, bovinus, and the suffix vril, it actually comes from a superior race of people, the Vrilia, who were in the 1870 novel by Edward Bulwer Lytton, The Coming Race. And they derived their powers from an electromagnetic substance named Vril, hence Bovril. Now, in 1870, in the Franco-Prussian War, Napoleon III ordered one million cans of beef to feed his troops. Now, the task of providing all this beef went to the guy who then invented Bovril. And he realised that large quantities of beef were available across South America, as you well know, mm -hmm. being Argentinian. Sorry, that was a little bit of a stereotype, but true. I have been to Argentina and I have seen a lot of cows. Um, have you? Yeah, we saw loads when we were on the train. Oh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, it was really hard for him to move all this beef around. But he realised that by creating a product, which was actually at the time known as Johnston's Fluid Beef, um, he could meet the needs of Napoleon III. Um, and by 1888, over 3,000 pubs in the UK, uh, grocers and dispensing chemists were selling Bovril. You know, when you said the name, I should have known, because a fun fact of the day, we actually use the word bovino in Spanish to refer to a cow. So if you talk about uh, ganado bovino, it's like the cow cattle, if you like. So I should have known from the name, really. Bovril remained popular as a sort of war food, if you like, during the First World War. But it was actually favoured um, by football fans when they went to watch uh, football matches during the winter because it fended off the chill, you know obviously football is played during some of the coldest months of the year and it's still sold at stadiums around the UK now so a lot of football fans will have a cup of Bovril when they go and watch their favourite team play. I mean I've seen I, I've seen people chugging pints in a football stadium never seen these Well you've before. obviously not looked hard enough. Well probably I wasn't looking for it so. But it's I mean it's so iconic it was the only hot drink that Ernest Shackleton's team had to drink when they were marooned on Elephant Island. This was during his endurance expedition. And it was even advertised by Pope Leo XIII. So there you are. Okay. Also in 2004, they changed the recipe to make it vegetarian. But of course, the Bovril fanatics were not happy with that. So within two years, it went back to its beef-based formula. No one likes change. So what are we thinking about the starter? Are we keeping Twiglets? Are we keeping Bovril? Is it going to become part of your daily routine? Uh, no. Not really. Um, the thing is, again, if you give me the, twig the twiglets, if you give me the twiglets, I'll eat them because they're kind of like a snack. So if they're there, you you eat them. That's why we're that's why we're fat. But I wouldn't pick it up from the supermarket myself unless you tell me specifically pick it up. And even then, I probably wouldn't know where it is. So what the twiglets? Yeah, it's with the crisps. Oh, I've never seen it. Um, by and the nuts near the nuts. Okay. Um. And the Bovril, again, I, I wouldn't replace a cup of tea or coffee, but it's like uh, having like a cup of these in a cold winter, like half an hour before a meal or something like that. I, yeah, I would. 
So you're going to finish it now? Um, uh, okay. <laughs> That's a no. That's a no. Let's move on to the main course. Blindfold on, please. Okay, okay, okay. Here I go. Here I go. Blindfold on. So main course is being placed in front of you. Okay. Uh, so don't get me wrong. All I can smell is vinegar. And you know I'm not that keen on vinegar. So I, is it like a vinaigrette thing? Have another whiff. Yeah, I still just smell vinegar. Okay, take off your eye mask. Okay, so it's a fish. A nice, it looks nice, the skin. It's like white and blue. It's like a little bit of the opposite of the Argentinian flag, isn't it? It's like <laughs> white on the edges, blue in the middle. The Argentinian flag is the other way around. Always thinking of the motherland. Of course, always the motherland. Is it like roll, like a roll of sushi? You're not far off, actually. So what is it? Well, try it. Why is it on a stick? <laughs> if you're listening to this, it's... Well, obviously people are listening to this, Bob. Are you sure anyone is listening to this? I've never seen like a filet of fish rolled up in and then crossed by a wooden stick. I mean, you've pr you're pretty much there with what, what how you're describing it. So just taste it and then we'll see... Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to. There's, there's onion here, so that kind of makes it a little bit better. Mm. Okay. Okay, so once I get past the vinegar, it's kind of creamy. Do you know, I've never actually tried these. Let me try a bit. What do you mean? You're making me try these. Yeah, like I know, but I've never tried it. British staple food, and you've never tried it. You've lived here for 35 years. Okay. Oh. So, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Let, let's get this straight. You, British person, no. I'm, I'm making me try British uh, food. Oh, as, they are an acquired taste, Bob. Uh, as oh, being, my eyes are watering. Oh, I'm, I'm shaking. I mean, it's just fish. Relax. Do you want a pizza? Do no, a pizza? I do not want a pizza. I'm British and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> right. These are roll mops. Roll mops? Yeah. And they are pickled herring fillets. Rolled up, often around a savoury filling, in this case, onions. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I'm, you know I'm not keen on vinegar, but I can have vinegar. It's not that, I'm, I, it's not that I cannot have it. And it is very vinegary, but the fish itself is actually really nice. And again, it's kind of like really like melts in your mouth, uh, like almost a creamy texture to it. It's nice. It's actually really nice. I do like this one. The name is actually German in origin, Roll Mops. It derives from the words Rollen, to roll, okay, and Mops. And that's actually the German name of pugs, as in the dog. The dog, the yeah. pug. So yeah. it's like a rolled pug. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, even though it's a fish. Although it's a fish. Now, pickled herrings have remained very popular throughout Northern Europe since medieval times because they're a good way to store and transport fish, which was necessary in meatless periods, particularly if you think about Lent. Is it a, an expensive fish or something like that? Not really. I mean, along with jelly deal in Great Britain, um, it was primarily eaten by working class people. And they can be served as finger foods, or you can put them in sandwiches. Okay. Um, but they're quite reasonable. Uh, I can't remember how much I paid at the supermarket. But but what I'm thinking is, we're, we're not that big fish eaters, but we do eat fish. In Argentina? No, I, you and me here in oh, the UK. sorry. When you say we, I never know whether you're talking about we as in me and Yao, or the royal we as in 
we as in a nation, as in a culture, oh, as in a yeah, race. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the royal we, it would be the republic we. Oh, sorry. Because yeah, we course. live in a republic in Argentina, yes, yeah, not a monarchy. No, but what I mean is that we normally have fish, and I'm other than the vinegary taste, I'm actually really, really enjoying uh, the fish. So I wonder, can you buy like a um, herring filet or something, not pickled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can, um, if it's smoked, you can have it as a breakfast um, item. Oh, that sounds nice. Kippers. Actually. Yeah, we'll get some kippers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. These definitely can go into my diet. Again, I really like that creaminess of it when you bite into it. And obviously it's an oily fish, so it's... I presume it's full of omega-3 or all those amino oh, acids, all the good stuff. I mean, I'm probably making this up, so don't quote me on that. Yeah, and also it's like we could add like a 0.005% of good fat into our normal fat. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Right, so herring is a winner. Pickled herring, roll mops are a winner. Let's go on to the drinks pairing. So I'm asked back on, going back on, and the drink is being placed in front of you. Okay, I have the glass in my hand. It's a cold drink, so okay, no, yeah. no health and safety warning needed this time. Have a smell, have a sniff, give it a whiff. <sighs> oh, it smells, it smells, is it sweet? Is it a sweet drink? It is. Uh, is it like a, um, uh, you know, like a pop yeah. type drink? It's carbonated. It's carbonated, okay. Uh, I can hear it though. I I can I'm um, I'm putting the drink in my ear, on my, not in my ear, uh, close to my ear, and I cannot hear the crackling of. Well, I did have to prepare this some time ago, so it has been sat on the side with oh, the ice so for a while. Gone flat then? <laughs> no, I don't think it's gone flat. Take take you take your eye mask off. Okay. So it looks like Coke. Is it Coke? It's not Coke. Okay, because you know that's not British. <laughs> yes, I know that's American. Shall I try it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Do I want to try it? Yeah. Um. Oh. Um. Oh. Oh. Mm. You know when you were a kid and they gave you cough syrup? Is this cough syrup? No. It tastes like it. It tastes... What's, what's that sweet flavour it has? Licorice. Licorice. That's the thing. Yeah, it tastes like licorice. Well, you're actually tasting dandelion and burdock, which has been drunk in the British Isles since the Middle Ages. Dandelion and burdock. Are those words in English? So it was originally a type of light mead. Yeah, you haven't answered my question. But over the years, it's evolved into the carbonated soft drink that you are trying today. Traditionally, it was made from fermented dandelion and burdock roots. Hence the name. Okay. Now, dandelions in this country are often associated as weeds, despite having very colourful flowers. However, you can add their leaves to salads. It's also an excellent source of potassium and vitamins A and C fact fans. As you said, similar in taste to aniseed or licorice, it was traditionally consumed for health purposes. But most of the modern versions, and I have to say, the version that I picked up at the supermarket is synthetic. So it lacks all the original nutritional value that it would have had back in ye olden days. Uh, the only reason why I am kind of want to give it the benefit of the doubt is because if you taste Coke and you've never tasted Coke in your life, and by this I mean Coca-Cola, no cocaine, you probably wouldn't like it. You probably wouldn't like Coke if you were trying it for the first time, would you? Because although it's sweet, it's a really odd particular flavour, and I think this is the same. It's a very, very distinctive flavour that I don't like, but 
again, the reason why, no, we're not getting this again is because it just tastes like kids' medicine. I, I don't. But in the summer when it's hot, it's so refreshing and you sat outside in the park or in the countryside somewhere and you just have a little glass of dandelion and burdock. Oh, it's beautiful. And then you throw it up because you're disgusted by it. Oh, so it. summery. I love it. Yeah, nah. Well, that was your main course. How are you feeling? Um, Stuffed? On the bright side, I haven't resorted to the emergency pizza. And I would definitely incorporate herring into our, our diet. Not necessarily pickled herring, because you know how I feel about vinegar. But I, I really like the fish. So that one is, is definitely a win. Yeah, but we need to clear it away because it's really starting to stink out the house. Yes, but isn't it, ir- isn't it ironic that you are making me try British food and the only one that I like is the one that you are gagging? I was literally gagging um, and not in a good way. Yes. It's rancid. It's rancid. So I'm going to clear the kitchen away and then we will move on to dessert. Oh, there's always place for something sweet. Okay, can you have a glass of water to cleanse your palate, please? Okay. Can I have a pizza slice? No pizza slices available because you were about to have your dessert. Okay, yeah, dessert. I'm excited about this. I would like you to put your eye mask back on. Okay. I'm putting the dessert in front of you. Okay. Now, it's quite hot, so you'll probably feel it rising to your nostrils. I do. It smells cakey. Is it like a cake thing type? Well, take off your eye mask. Okay. It looks like... It kind of looks like Christmas pudding. Well, it's not as dark as Christmas pudding. So it's kind of like grainy and it has like something dark, like raisins or is it chocolate? What is it? Well, try it. Okay, I'll give it a go. Mm, To be fair, it kind of seems like it's going to be nice. Okay. Mm. It's like a sweet, soft cake with raisins. Mm, It tastes really nice. I'm... I don't know what it is. It's like, it, how can I say it? it? It's really nice. It's sweet. But I don't think it has like a, an overly distinctive flavor, you know, like the trickled things that you made me try for a starter. So it's not something that you will recognize like immediately. But it is really nice. Do you normally have it for any special occasion? Like Christmas or something? Or is it just... No, but you would normally have it with custard, which is why, okay. here's one I prepared earlier, oh. I bought you a little jug of custard to go on top. I just want you to, to try it au naturel, yeah. al fresco, if you like, uh, and now you can kind of add some custard. I do like a bit of custard. Now, I completely have to admit, the reason why I chose this one is not because it's particularly weird. Okay. Um, although it's not as you would imagine, uh, a meat-free cake. Uh, but we'll get onto that in a second. But it's more because of the name. It's called Spotted Dick. Oh, so I'm eating dick? <laughs> You're eating Spotted Dick, yeah. Mm, it's really nice with custard, but then again, what is a nice with custard? Yeah. Dick and custard. You can't go wrong with dick and custard. It's a perfect combination. So you know what? Now that you now that you say that, I have heard of Spotted Dick before before coming to the UK, but I never knew what it was. I, to be fair, I thought it was a joke. No, it's a genuine thing. It's also known as Spotted Dog uh, or Railway Cake. I'm not sure why. Um, sorry, maybe... sorry if I don't comment. I'm still munching on it. It's nice. <laughs> you love the dick. Oh yeah, I do love the Spotted Dick. Bit of the tea. Now, as you've described, it's a traditional British baked pudding. Uh, historically made with dried fruit, usually currants or raisins, as you've said, 
but it's also made with, and here's the meat connection, suet. Now, suet is the raw, hard fat of beef or mutton, which is found around the loins and kidneys. And it's also used in like dumplings and things like that. So this actually has meat juices. Yeah, it's got suet inside. Oh, that's really good. And that, and this kind of brings me to my sort of six and a half year long beef with mince pies. Because this has actually meat, well, at least meat juices in it. So when I first moved to the UK, my first Christmas here, someone uh, offered me a mince pie. And I thought, mm, that sounds really, really good. It's just, and they were so small and nice. And I think it looks like, you can have like beef mince in a small pie. So that sounded amazing. And then when I took a bite of it, it was sweet and it didn't have any meat. Mince pies traditionally did have meat in them. Well, yeah, but until they put back meat uh, in it, I'm just not having one. I'm, I refuse to have a mince pie. And also mince pies do contain suet as well. Traditional ones. Oh, so yeah. traditional mince pies had mince in them. Mm-hmm. But modern mince pies, which are traditional, have suet in them. Okay. Hashtag bring back the meat. Okay. Now, the name itself, rather than referring to a knobbly penis, spotted is actually the dried fruit in the pudding, which kind of makes sense. Okay. While dick or dog, because it can be called spotted dog, okay. they were historical terms widely used for pudding, having the same etymology as dough. I would have thought that the people or the person who made it for the first time had a dog named Richard. Oh, I like what you're thinking there. I like what you're thinking. But it does, it's still a bit cheeky. People say, oh, do you want some spotted dick? In fact, in 2018, restaurant staff in the Houses of Parliament renamed the dessert Spotted Richard. So it was, in their words, less likely to cause a stir. Oh, so you think that the Queen asks for a spotted Richard? I don't know if she might do. I bet the Queen loves spotted dick. I mean, who doesn't like a bit of spotted D? Well, I don't I don't like it. You don't like spotted dick? No, because You um, prefer it smooth dick. Do you know I would love a smooth dick? Because the thing that I the issue that I have with spotted dick is that dried fruit makes me gag. Yeah, you don't like dried fruit. So if you if if it were a smooth dick if it was a smooth dick i would gobble it straight up okay <laughs> i would eat it all day long with or without custard i'd have it raw just give it to me <laughs> right are we ready for your drinks pairing oh yeah i, I kind of forgot that we had an, a drinks pairing for this okay so this one's coming from a can okay can you put your eye mask on please okay have a sniff oh again it's one of those smells that i've smelled this before but I don't know what it is. It smells like a brewery. Is You know how I've been to work in quite a few beer breweries? It kind of smells like that. So is that something really... Is this like a beer? It's non-alcoholic. It's non-alcoholic. Okay, by this time, you probably should know that I need alcohol. Please remove your eye mask. Okay. Super malt. Original. So, okay. So the smell then is a smell of malt. Correct. Okay, so is this like a non-alcoholic non beer? You try it. Okay, let me give it a go. It's not a beer. Okay, it tastes strange. Oh, it's weird. It's not offending me at all. But? No, no, there's, there's no but. It's, it's just weird. I can't, I can't, I can't really place it. It's like because it it smells like you were drinking the um, uh, like the precursor of beer, 
that it hasn't become beer yet. But it's nice and it's sweet. So it's nice. It's just a flavor that I've never experienced before. Well, I have to admit, I've never tried this myself either. Again, you've never tried something. Wasn't this whole thing supposed to be <laughs> things that were quintessentially British? So things that probably you would have tasted in your life. Look, I'm doing it for your benefit. Okay. Um, I'm sniffing it now. And I've been on one or two brewery tours in my time as well. And this does smell like we're going on a brewery tour. Let me try it. Oh, it's nice. It's a lot creamier than I thought it was going to be. But see what I mean? It's it's not offensive. It's nice, but it's a I weird... I don't think I could drink a whole... Well, I could do shots of that. Yeah, exactly. You it's couldn't... quite a strong taste, isn't it? You couldn't drink like a whole litre bottle no. of it. You couldn't no. drink a pint of this. I mean, that's a small can. I could probably drink that over um, a long meal. Yeah, so this is 330 mils, which for uh, non-international units uses is what, like, Half don't, a pint? Two thirds of a pint? Okay, so it's the size of a regular pop bottle. So okay. you are drinking super malt. We know that because it says super malt right across the can. Yeah. Um, this was first produced in 1972. So it's a relatively new product on the market compared to what else we've tasted mm -hmm. today. Now, it was originally used by the Nigerian army as a dietary requirement to re-energise the troops. Okay, so does it have, is it like a, like a malt energy drink yeah does yeah. it have like loads of caffeine or something like that well it's a basically a cheap source of b vitamins and nutrition okay so once it was introduced for the army the sales spread across africa the caribbean and then it came to the uk where it is the most popular um particularly among the afro-caribbean community okay yeah um, again i wouldn't have like a whole bottle of it but yeah like a drink is it a wintry drink as well it kind of feels I... It kind of feels like something you would drink, even if you drink it cold. It kind of feels like something you would drink in winter, not in summer. I think I get the impression that it's kind of drunk all year round by people who love it. They will drink it all year round at, at mealtimes. I feel like it's something as well that you would drink by itself. I think that it would like it almost mask... tastes like a meal, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of. I, it feels like it would mask any other flavour that you have with it. So, Bab, that was your dessert. Okay, so what are we what are we gonna toot or boot, as they would say? So <laughs> I would I I do like the spotted day. I mean you've literally eaten that's a big portion I gave you as well, and there's a few crumbs left basically. I know, but well uh, I would definitely add that as like a sweet treat, but I do prefer it with custard. Mm. So we would need to buy both as a combo. Does it come as a combo? You know, does it come like in a package that comes with one bottle of of um, custard and the pack of the spotted D all together, like a pack? No, but maybe you've hit on something there. I mean, whoever makes a spotted D as a brand, just remember this is a good combo. So sell it as a pack. Marketing 101. So that's your tasting meal done. Three courses, three drinks pairings. I would say that I'm probably now well on my way to getting a Michelin star after that tasting menu. Uh, so from six things that I've tried. Do you agree that I'm going to get a Michelin star? Well, let me put it this way. <laughs> you didn't answer. Let me put it this way. From six things that I've tried, I would probably add into our regular sort of meals two and a half. I would definitely add the herring minus the vinegar. I would definitely add the spotted tea. 
And I would have the Bob Real, but not as a tea drink. So that's like half. I would give that a half because I would add it, but just like a pre-starter, if you like. So imagine you've just dined at British Ben's, Warwickshire's finest two Michelin starred restaurant. I've given myself two now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's grown. How much would you have paid for that meal? Um, the whole meal. A tenner. £10, ladies and gentlemen, £10, that is what I'm worth. I don't think my partner realises the lengths, breadths, sheer brute force that I have endured to put this tasting menu and drinks pairing together. I mean, I can see the plastic packaging of everything. I don't think you cooked a lot for this, Fab. Well, it's not whether I heated, cooked, whatever. I've given you a fully rounded Great British food experience. Two of which you've never tried before. But I have now. And you have now. So So I feel more British. We've all grown with this experience. (laughs) But is there anything I missed there? Is there anything that I didn't introduce Banghead to that I should have done? Um, If so, do get in touch with us and let us know. Yeah, and also it's a good opportunity for me to introduce the hashtag bring the meat back because I want meat in my mean spice. Bab, this is a podcast. This is not a political broadcast for you to get your wishes with mince pies. Okay, still, hashtag bring back the meat. Okay, well, if you do want to get in touch with us for legitimate reasons, we're on Twitter at BearbackPod. We are on Facebook. You just need to search for Bearback. You just search for it. Yeah. Instagram, we are at BearbackPodcast. And similar for our email, if you still send emails, you can send us one at BearbackPodcast at gmail.com. You say emails. I actually wrote a letter this week. I know. You have to tell us about it. I wrote an actual genuine letter. Who does that anymore? I had a letter from a friend of mine who lives in Canada. He's decided to go a little bit old school, a little bit um, analogue, shall we say. And he asked for my address. So he wrote me a letter and it came a few days later, uh, incredibly, across the Atlantic. And um, I've written back to him. So I wrote an actual letter this week and I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, we need to talk about hashtag bring back the meat in the mince pies. Hashtag bring back letter writing. Bring, go back to basics. (laughs) And the thing is, both things are going... Now, listen, uh, this is all about basics. Is you are going back to writing letters. I want meat back in mince pies. And our podcast is bare back. It's all about back to basics. So it all has a thread to it. The only thing about writing a letter is my right arm absolutely kills today. It really, really hurts. So I think I need to do some kind of like letter writing exercises for my hand because I am literally getting a repetitive strain injury. Uh, It's called first word problem. Bye. Bye.